Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money. And this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation and it's very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes. So apparently the internet erupts over Mark Zuckerberg's flag-toting July 4th video. Now, obviously I don't know the context about this whole thing, but I think it's pretty interesting that you have one of the most well-known most liked and most hated billionaire in the world (laughs) that at least seems to show that he loves America, which is pretty cool, if that's the case. But let's get into the story. So, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on Sunday shared a dramatic 4th of July video of himself toting an American flag while riding an electric surfboard across the lake. Once again, lighting the internet up as the social media crowd chimed in. Happy July 4th, Zuckerberg, who's worth an estimated $132 billion, wrote on the Instagram post of the video. The Facebook founder appeared to be riding a $12,000 e-foil board, which allows users to glide above the water, and last year Zuckerberg was pictured riding a similar board caked in an obscene amount of sunscreen, off the coast of Hawaii, which I believe became a pretty well-known meme of him with a weird amount of sunscreen. So in the video posted Sunday, the mega-billionaire deftly slices through the water on his board to the tune of John Denver's Take Me Home Country Roads. This is the worst thing that has ever existed, one Twitter user commented on the video. So... Mark Zuckerberg posted a video of himself on Instagram wakeboarding while holding an American flag and set to the music of the late John Denver singing Take Me Home Country Roads. I saw it, so now you have to see it too. I'm sorry, I did not make the rules. Happy hashtag July 4th. So, let's see if we could do this. Boom, boom, boom. Eh. No audio. 106,000 views is pretty crazy. But you know, he's pretty skilled, right? Like that, you gotta give props to him to be able to do that on a wakeboard, right? He's pretty skilled. I mean, one handing the American flag is pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. But here's the thing, right? If you're a billionaire, like if you get your finances to the point where you're a literal billionaire, there's worse things that you could be doing with your money and your time, right? Personally, I see nothing wrong with this. I think this is actually kind of cool, right? I mean, think about it. If you're someone who has immense wealth and you love the country, I would probably do the same thing, right? Like if I had immense amount of wealth, I'd probably do something as absurd as this, right? And there's definitely worse things to go about doing your July 4th or celebrating July 4th. But honestly, I kind of liked it. 
you might not necessarily 100% agree with, which kind of shows that perhaps the best way to create a massive company is not going the route of going public and staying private. Now, the reason why I say that is because once you go public and you start introducing influence from shareholders, well, guess what? They're going to end up, you know, diluting how much money or how much you know percentage of the company that you actually end up owning they could end up doing something like a hostile takeover and you could basically pretty much just lose the company due to no fault of your own right so i kind of feel like zuckerberg himself is more of an independent thinker and like is thinking more out of the mainstream media even though he is the founder of a company that has massive control over social media. I just think personally, him, just him, views very differently than what his company actually thinks. That being said, he's still probably very much so on the left-hand side of the political spectrum. And, you know, that's not going to be too surprising. But... I don't think that he's necessarily extreme on the left side. I think he's more of a probably center-left individual, politically speaking. But his company is leaning far, far further to the left. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Facebook. Yeah, obviously the company will probably continuously grow. But I kind of wonder if he's still going to be the head of the company, right? Because it might get to the point where there might be some sort of hostile takeover or he might just basically say like, you know what, I just give up. I'm just going to walk away. I don't know, right? But either way, I think it's cool to see someone with immense amount of money still supporting or showing support to the country. I think that's still pretty cool to see. Because let's face facts, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of money who have a lot of presence that would not be willing to put themselves in a situation where, you know, they might be ridiculed or all this other stuff for pretty much no reason. But basically, there's a lot of people on social media that for some reason hate the country that they live in and they still stay in the country for whatever reason, but... Either way, feel free to give your thoughts. I personally think that this is actually a good thing. I think it's a good thing that someone in his position is willing to show support for a country that basically allows him to do what he does, right? There's not really any other country out there that would allow him to do what he's doing to become a billionaire in the way that he has because there's so many different laws in you know, various countries that honestly would either limit you, would take control of your company, and potentially, you know, off your head, right? Like, there's a lot of very restrictive countries, so out of all of them, the United States isn't really that bad. So fellow tech exec Aaron Levy, founder and CEO of Enterprise Cloud Company Box, jousted Zuck really doing his part to make tech founders seem normal. Now, he definitely doesn't seem normal, but again... I still like the fact that he does show support to the country. I think that's pretty cool. 
but the video drew comparisons to George Washington's daring crossing of Delaware in 1776 to launch a surprise attack on unsuspecting British forces. Now, again, I want to say something too, right, as like a side note. Out of all the like tech founders out there, it seems like Zuckerberg's probably is like one of the most fit and healthiest ones out there, which is pretty interesting to see. But you usually don't see that. Okay, so meanwhile, a reporter for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation shared a photo of the video alongside a 2016 photo of Zuckerberg going for a jog in Beijing's Tiananmen Square. That face. So what a difference five years can make, he wrote. Zuckerberg's 2016 jog through Beijing, despite hazardous levels of air pollution in the city at the time, was seen as capitulation to the Chinese government in a bid to secure permission for Facebook to operate in the country. In another comment on Zuckerberg's 4th of July video, one user said, When you get your antitrust lawsuit thrown out about a by judge, let's go, Zuck. That's an apparent reference to last week's decision by a federal judge to dismiss antitrust complaints filed by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission in a parallel suit filed by a coalition of 48 states and districts against Facebook. So Facebook's PR team spent years trying to craft Zuckerberg's image, which is funny because the strategy now seems to be let the dude let his freak flag fly. Some social media users also resurfaced a May article from the information that said Facebook planned to repair its image by ramping up the founder's own media profile. Some pointed out the video may just be an effort to get a reaction from the internet and surface easy publicity, and Zuck tries to improve his public image by the only means possible to outdo Fonzie jumping the shark, wrote at Fraser underscore Hayden. Either way, I still think this is kind of like a fun video to do, and honestly, if I was a billionaire, or if someone was a billionaire, why wouldn't you do something like this, as absurd as this, right, just for the fun of it, right? Because, I mean, here's the thing, right? There's a very good likelihood that he simply doesn't have a lot of control in his company, right? It is a public company, and he has to basically bend over for his shareholders. So when it comes down to it, who knows how much actual power he actually has, how much control he actually has. Because here's the thing, unless you, like, pull the, like, layers of the onion, like, just keep on pulling off the multiple layers of the onion, we don't really know what's actually going on within that company, Unless you're actually there, right? Now, unless you got like some like hidden people in there, like, you know, reporting stuff and whatnot, that's a whole nother thing. But again, I don't know how much power he truly has against all the people in his company, right? Because again, this is not a private company, so he doesn't have complete control, right? Like, no matter what, it's a fact that he does not have 100%. 100% control over his company. So it might be better to not do anything like a SPAC deal or going public just so that you could retain control and do whatever it is you want to do with your company. So that might be a better option. Either way, it's interesting to see a billionaire do something like this. Feel free to give your thoughts. Feel free to share this with someone who might want to get like a little laugh or something. But either way, Pretty interesting. Looks like Russian hackers are getting a little bit ballsy demanding $70 million. So, according to the story, Russian hackers are seemingly behind latest ransomware attack and they demand $70 million. 
So let's get right into it. So a Russian-linked group that is counted among the cybercriminal world's most prolific extortionists is suspected to be behind a colossal ransomware attack that affected hundreds of companies worldwide. Just weeks after President Biden boasted about taking President Putin to task on cyber attacks, so in a post on a blog typically used by the Russian-linked Reveal, <laughs> Reveal, <laughs> wow. Okay, so basically this is basically spelled like R Evil Revel, Revel. Cybercrime gang, a group of ransomware hackers, appears to be taking responsibility for the cyber attacks that hit over 200 U.S. companies Friday, demanding 70 million dollars in Bitcoin for the data to be returned. Now, again, like I don't really understand why so many of these like cyber criminals are like doing things in Bitcoin, because the way that I see it, right? Why would you ask money in the form of something that is public, right? Like the addresses are public, and it probably would not be hard for the U.S. government to figure out where they're trying to send the money, track everything, track where every single dime is actually going, and basically nabbing them. Like, so I don't really understand that. Like, I never understood why any criminal would ever actually use Bitcoin. I think that's just so stupid. Just personally, I feel like cash would probably make more sense, whether it be the U.S. dollar or some other form of cash. Like I don't understand why you'd use something that is public information. So on Friday, we launched an attack on managed service providers. More than a million systems were infected. The posting on the dark website Happy Blog explained. So the post, written in broken English, requested the staggering price in exchange for the group releasing information to be able to regain access to sites in less than an hour. The blog is frequently used by the Revel Group or Revel Group, which is considered among the world's most prolific cyber extortionists. So reps for Revel have declined to comment further to media outlets in the wake of the attack and Friday's mass cyber attack, which cybersecurity firm Huntress Labs has blamed on the Russia-linked ransomware gang, hit at least 200 companies at the start of the Independence Day weekend. So Swedish grocery stores, schools in New Zealand, and two major Dutch IT firms were among the victims of Revel, which launched its attack on Friday, after breaching the systems of U.S.-based software firm Kasaya. After hitting Kasaya, a Florida-based IT company, the attack then spread through the corporate networks that use its software. So, asked about the attack wall in Michigan on Saturday, President Biden urged caution as U.S. authorities narrowed down and confirmed the source of the attack. We're not sure it's the Russians," he said, adding that he had been briefed on the matter and had instructed the intelligence community to find out more. See, now I find that interesting, right? Because nearly every time. That Trump was in office. Any time that there was some sort of hack, they always blamed Russia. So why are they not blaming Russia right now, right? Even though it seems like Russia most likely did it, but I just find that kind of interesting.
So the fact is that I've directed the intelligence community to give me a deep dive on what's happened and I'll know better tomorrow. And if it is either with the knowledge of and or a consequence of Russia, then I told Putin we would respond, he said. Asked if he had already spoken to the Kremlin, Biden said he had not as he was waiting for the intelligence community to confirm the information before acting. He then voiced doubts from those in the intelligence community about Russia being the source of the attack. We're not certain. The initial thinking was it was not the Russian government, but we're not sure yet. So ransomware is a malicious software that locks up a user's data. Hackers typically demand money, most frequently in cryptocurrency, to unlock or return the affected data. Ransomware and other cyber attacks have skyrocketed in recent months as U.S. foes worldwide unable to successfully take on America's armed forces turned their attention to our weaker digital defenses. FBI Director Christopher Wray revealed last month that in the U.S. alone, the FBI is investigating about 100 different types of ransomware. His revelation came in the wake of the hack against JBS Foods in June, the world's largest meat supplier, and a similar attack on Colonial Pipeline in May. So Revel was responsible for the JBS hack, and during his summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin last month, Biden said he addressed Russia's safe harboring of cyber criminals responsible for the string of recent attacks. And House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy referenced that back and forth on Twitter Saturday after news of the hack began to circulate, calling the president soft on crime and weak against Putin. Remember when President Biden gave Putin a list of things that were supposed to be off-limits for cyber attacks? What he should have said is that all American targets are off-limits, the top-ranking House Republican wrote on the social media platform. I'm going to feel free to give your thoughts about that, right? So, was it the Russians? Who knows? Could be. Might not be. We don't know. We'll probably never truly know if we do. So be it, right? The thing is, it doesn't really change the fact that these companies were hacked, right? That's the fact. These companies were hacked, right? And it puts people in vulnerable positions. That being said, I think these hackers, whether they be Russian or not, are getting kind of ballsy trying to demand $70 million for what they did. But either way... Who knows if they're going to get paid? Who knows how much money they made? I don't know. But the thing is, it still just doesn't make sense. Like Personally, I don't understand why there's so many of these hackers hacking these massive corporations. Now, obviously, if these corporations are like publicly traded, then probably the shareholders are like, hey, just give them the money and like free up the stuff and then you're going to be okay or whatever, right? Which may or may not actually happen, right? Because here's the thing, right? What is the guarantee that any of these hackers will actually give the people what they want, right? Like, these people are criminals who are constantly committing crimes, right? What's to stop them from just not doing it, right? Obviously, their hearts are in the wrong place for hacking a whole bunch of companies, right? And demanding money, so... I don't know. Feel free to give your thoughts if you stumble upon this episode, but I just think it's kind of odd. I think these hackers are getting kind of ballsy. I think they're probably demanding way too much money. But either way, it's interesting to see, right? Because 
it's interesting to see, not in the sense that you know these hackers are doing this or that they're successful at doing this. I think it's interesting to see that basically warfare is leaning more and more and more into like cybersecurity, which might make more sense that individuals might be getting into more cybersecurity insurance or like hacking insurance or like identity theft insurance, that kind of stuff, just because it could probably help them protect themselves from like random hackers like this that are going to try to steal their identity or all this other kind of nonsense. And I guess like another way to look at it, right, is that maybe saying a whole bunch of this stuff might get someone to do something like in un, like an umbrella policy when it comes down to insurance, right? Because I'm not 100% certain, but I believe there are some policies that are deemed like the umbrella policy where you could have like a million dollars of like an umbrella policy or like 10 million for pretty cheap per year, right? Paying it per year. And it's basically like, a insurance policy that will pretty much cover like a whole bunch of like things right on a whole right which should probably also cover this as well which would be something to kind of like think about or look up or do more research on because you know here's the thing right i would hate to see someone end up getting hacked and then end up losing all their money or something right like an individual because like an individual they only have so much money that they make and if they are not managing their money correctly, if a hacker steals like $1,000 from their account or like $10,000 from their account or all the money that they saved, they're kind of screwed, right? So you don't want to see something like that. So for anyone out there, manage your money correctly, but also maybe get some like sort of insurance or something to help protect you. So this is like a pretty sick scam, Right. And, like, we're going to get into the story, but, I mean, like, imagine if you were to actually go and get the vaccine, and you literally are not given it. <laughs> like, how messed up is that? But let's get into this story. Feel free to share this with someone who would find this interesting. So, thousands in India have been given fake COVID-19 vaccines in a sick scam. So, thousands of people in coronavirus ravaged India have been jabbed with fake COVID-19 vaccines in a sickening scam that charged desperate people between $10 and $17 per dose. Now, they were using saline water and injecting it, said Vishal Thakur, a senior official of the Mumbai Police Department, according to CNN. Every fake vaccination vaccination camp that they held they were doing this so about 2500 people received fake vaccines at 12 sites outside mumbai according to thakur the organizers which included medical professionals even allegedly charged between $10 and $17 per dose authorities said according to the new york times and the scammers netted about $28,000 in total from cnn so Thakur said 14 people have so far been arrested for allegedly cheating attempts at culpable homicide and criminal conspiracy. COVID-19 vaccines, nope. No, 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 no. And deaths surged in India in April and May with more than 180,000 people dying from the disease over the two-month period alone. 
So nursing, okay. So the South Asian country has recorded more than 400,000 deaths in total, according to John Hopkins University figures in the highly transmissible Delta variant, or B16172, which the Center for Disease Control in June labeled a variant of concern first emerged in India in December. But again, this is this is super bad, right? Like, one, that's such a low amount of money to scam thousands of people out of like that's that's such a low amount of money but two to do this to people when they're like worried about their health is just super super scummy right like how mean can you be or dark or evil that you're willingly potentially harming people who are truly worried for their safety right like that's just like really dark. Like these types of like like scams are bad enough, but a scam that is directly linked to like potential health issues or like health related scams is even more dark. Right? It's like now you're kinda like in a realm of that you're like playing with people's lives and that's just super, super sickening. Feel free to give your thoughts. I think this is pretty screwed up to do to people. But again, also, such a low amount of money too, right? It's like you're going to risk all that for 28000 Pretty crazy. Shelton and Gwen Stefani got married during an intimate ceremony, but also the house that they have now looks absolutely amazing. So let's get into this because I thought it looked super cool. So there's no doubt that this time that Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton have tied the knot. The couple officially got hitched on Saturday, less than a month after the No Doubt singer sparked wedding rumors by wearing a diamond band on her left hand. The ceremony took place at Shelton's Oklahoma ranch, where sources previously said he built a chapel with the intention of marrying Stefani there. Which, you know, that's pretty cool, right? Like, I mean, imagine if you got, like, so much money that, like, your property is just that amazing. <laughs> you can just get married there. And it's basically, like, a dream, like, wedding ceremony, right? Like, that'd be pretty cool. It'd be cool to get your money right to that point to where you could do something like that. Which, by the way, if you need help getting your money right, go down below and learn the secret to mastering your money. By the way, this is super cool. Right, so the couple had their nuptials, nuptials, and a small intimate ceremony. Nuptials, 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 and a small intimate ceremony at a church built on the estates. That looks so cool. Gwen's parents, Dennis, parents, Dennis Stefani and Patty Flynn, guests and musicians are seen boarding a luxury bus to take them to Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani's Oklahoma wedding. Like, imagine that. That's like the driveway, right? You see that. It's like the driveway all the way in there. I wonder how massive the property actually is, right? That looks so sick. So Blake Schoen had a new home built for him and his wife, Gwen Stefani. Like, that is a legit place, right? That is basically a mansion in the middle of, like, a massive, like, farmland almost. Like, that is so cool. Like, that is, like, an ideal house, Right? Like, that is super cool looking. 
Jesus. Now, I kind of wonder what the property taxes are in, like, Oklahoma and all that kind of stuff, right? Or the state taxes and all that. I'm guessing it's probably not that bad, but that looks pretty sick, right? Like, that is, like, probably, like, a dream place for a lot of people, right? So, Stefani, 51, and Shelton, 45, began dating in 2015 after meeting as coaches on NBC's The Voice. This might be the only thing good that actually happened from The Voice because here's the thing. Is there anyone from The Voice that is, like, big now? And I'm asking this seriously. If anyone knows this, like, if anyone ends up stumbling upon this episode or all that kind of stuff, feel free to, like, leave a comment or, like, share this with someone who might know. But I don't think there's anyone from The Voice that's, like, gotten super massive, right? Like, I don't think there's ever been, like, a superstar that came from The Voice, which is interesting when you really think about it because isn't it, a type of show where they're getting like coached by like superstars. So it's pretty interesting. So at the time, the rocker and country superstar were both newly divorced. So in July, 2015, Shelton filed for divorce from Miranda Lampert, his second wife. And then after four years of marriage, and then just weeks later, Stefani and Gavin Rosdale shocked fans by calling it quits after 13 years of marriage and three children. Now, Here's the thing, right? Like, this whole situation, right, if this is actually true, you could kind of, like, read between the lines and be like, hmm, did these two, like, have an affair and basically hit it off so well? They're like, you know what? We can't do this to our partners. We got to call it quits because we are going to be together 100%, right? See, this is the thing. Like, I could kind of see this happen, like, like some, like, sort of, like, hidden secret, like, fling or something. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? No. Let's do this right. Let's not pull our partners along with this whole thing. Let's take this seriously and end up, you know, seeing each other for real. So Stefani and Shelton first sparked marriage rumors last month when the No Doubt singer stepped out with a wedding band on her left hand. And then the longtime couple first got together six years ago. So since getting together, the musicians have collaborated on a few love-struck songs, including Nobody But You, Happy Anywhere, and You Make It Feel Like Christmas. So the couple announced their engagement in October 2020, and Shelton quietly proposed to the rich girl singer with a huge 6-9 to carat round solitaire diamond set on what appeared to be a platinum band. Earlier this week, reports surfaced that the pair would soon be hearing wedding bells after they applied for a marriage license in Oklahoma. That's looking present. Luxury bus. Okay, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I thought that was just pretty interesting and honestly kind of cool. I wonder what the property taxes are in um, in Oklahoma. I wonder just the taxes general in that state are it'd be kind of interesting to find out because the thing is like you know having a property like this is like cool and stuff and like here's the thing too right you know having like a property like this like i said would it be super awesome right like this is like a super awesome kind of like house that being said do you want to deal with the hassle 
Do you want to have like basically employees managing your property? Because I'm pretty certain this is basically like a legit like farmland area, right? I mean, like, look at that. Like, this is like, this thing's like absolutely massive. So, you know, who knows how much time and money actually cost you like manage this property i don't know it seems for the most part it's just really just cutting the grass so you know maybe a few thousand dollars per month cutting the grass but i don't know i don't know how massive this property actually is and again this is a thing that you end up saying with like those like mega mansions that you see right yeah it'd be super cool to like live in a property that costs like 20 50 million dollars right like that'd be super cool but the running cost per month of a property like that or even like this would probably make you cry right you'd probably need a few employees to make sure that is running smoothly the property taxes that you're probably going to be paying are disgusting right the house insurance or property insurance is going to be disgusting if you get a mortgage on it that's gonna be disgusting right <laughs> like it's gonna to get to the point where like okay like how much time are you actually gonna be able to spend at your house so this is something that like a lot of people need to think about too because like unless you have so much money to basically where you can buy something like this and literally not care at all It'd probably be a better idea to not buy something like this because like, is it worth your time is it worth your money is it worth it hiring employees to manage your household is it worth it dealing with the property taxes the insurance the liability that it actually is at some point because like let's say that someone finds their way onto your property and it's like a you know deca million type of property and they just like break their ankle on your property somehow and basically try to see you or something depending on your stay it's gonna be super weird so even though this looks super cool and honestly they probably have the money to not really care about this at the same time for the average person it may not be something worthwhile right like and like let's just like put this in terms of like a normal person let's say someone's making like not really normal but let's say that you know someone's making like a hundred thousand dollars after taxes per year right it wouldn't be that hard to you know be able to apply for like a mortgage of like a million dollar house right like that wouldn't be too hard that being said is it worth the hassle to deal with a million dollar house compared to let's say a house that might only be like two hundred thousand like something that's only like double your income because the thing is people need to understand that yeah, it's cool making a lot of money. It's cool having a lot of money. But if your costs are so high to the point where you no longer really have freedom, does it even make sense to get involved into something like this massive of a house, right? Like, let's just say that you won the lottery, right? And you won the lottery for like, let's say 20 million, right? So you could buy like a $10 million property, right? But the running cost, the hassles of it, like that's, it's just going to like, you know, tear you in so many different, like pull you in so many different directions. You're like, you know, is this even worth it? Or like, am I even going to be able to like live a decent life? And this is kind of like that, that hedonic treadmill that people end up getting where like they're constantly trying to strive for something bigger and better and more expensive, pricier, all that kind of stuff. And the problem with that is that it just never stops, right? Like there's no contentment. 
Whereas, let's say that you were to get to the point where, you know, you make a million dollars per year, or let's just say, go back to the $100,000 per year. Let's say you make $100,000 per year, and you just buy like a $200,000 house, right? That means you have the freedom to go on like different travels. You have the freedom to not have to deal with like an employee that will like manage your yard and all this other kind of stuff, right? You have the freedom to go on trips. You have the freedom to do Airbnbs all across the country. Like you have the freedom to basically buy whatever car you want. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. But if you were to get into like too much of a house to where you have to manage it like a business, you lose all that freedom. Right, So that's something to really think about. Just because you make more money doesn't mean you should be spending more money. So just keep that in mind because, yeah, it'd be pretty cool to have a house like this. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily right, you know? Just keep in mind, you know? Do you want freedom or do you not want freedom? Apparently, there's a Bitcoin mining operation in Finger Lakes and is sparking local concerns. So let's get into this story. So a gas-fired power plant being used to support a Bitcoin mining operation in upstate New York has divided local residents over the environmental toll of the energy-intensive process versus the economic benefits the business brings to town. So locals who have protested the operations of the plant, which is on the shores of Seneca Lake, have expressed concern that it's polluting the air and heating the lake, the largest of the Finger Lakes, NBC News reported. So the lake is so warm you feel like you're in a hot tub. Abby Buddington, a resident of Dresden, New York, whose home is near the plant, told NBC. Buddington, who also serves as a secretary on the committee to preserve the Finger Lakes, helped organize a protest at a nearby Department of Environmental Conservation office in Avon, New York, last month against the plant. Which, by the way, that looks absolutely crazy right there. So the protest was also organized by Seneca Lake Guardian, a nonprofit conservation advocacy. So these crypto operations are looking for anywhere that has relatively cheap power in a relatively cool climate. Yvonne Taylor, vice president of the group, told NBC, and it's a horrible business model for all the New York State, the United States, and for the planet. So Bitcoin mining is the energy-intensive process that both producers produces new bitcoins while processing transactions made with the existing supply. It's become a major point of criticism for the crypto, which even some of the biggest supporters like Tesla CEO Elon Musk calling out its environmental impact. Now, that being said, this is also one of the reasons why cryptocurrencies like Ethereum and also ADA or Cardano are becoming more in the like uh conversation when it comes to viable cryptocurrencies now there's a lot of people that are thinking that you know bitcoin might be something that might be worth more so in like long-term value almost like owning either like a piece of property or a stock that should eventually go up kind of thing right that's the way that people end up viewing bitcoin even now is that it's more so like a store of value that being said Ethereum and Cardano, the way that they're basically moving towards and eventually probably will 100% be is go more so with like a proof of stake kind of situation or a hybrid, but more so a 100% proof of stake. 
And if you don't know what that is, that's basically where you end up having, let's say that you own some cryptocurrency, or let's say that we'll just use Ethereum for an example, right? Let's say that you own like five Ethereum, right? Well, a proof of stake will basically allow you to use that five Ethereum to produce and basically make more Ethereum, right? So five Ethereum can eventually make a little bit more Ethereum that basically validates all these different transactions and all that kind of stuff. So basically, that allows you to pretty much almost make like a dividend, right? Like that's the way to really look at it. It's like it's basically like a stock paying a dividend, but you're basically having that stock work on its own to produce the dividend. That's kind of the way to look at it, or at least to kind of like understand it in a very simple sense. It's just basically you're investing into like a stock that is producing a dividend and it produces that dividend based off the work that the stock is actually doing. So just simply owning the stock will allow you to pretty much use it as like a proof of stake to continuously work on itself. It's almost like a compounding thing. Now, the thing that some people may not like about the whole proof of stake thing is that let's say that you have, you know, five Ethereum that you're doing proof of stake with, but let's say your friend in a different country owns like a hundred Ethereum and they're using their 100 Ethereum for the proof of stake. Well, they're going to obviously control more of the network or like make more money in a sense or like have more control over Ethereum as a whole, right? Basically owning more shares of a stock of a company, right? So you might only own like 1% of a company, but they'll own 5% of the company. So they'll have more control over what that company ends up actually doing. So... People have different like views about it. Personally, I think I think the way to really go about it, if you were to get into cryptocurrency, like maybe put like, you know, one to five percent of your total net worth in there. Now that's not financial advice, it's just basically, you know, a personal suggestion that I would do if I had the, you know, liquid capital to be able to do something. Is have like a small percentage of my net worth into cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum and Cardano, just because Ethereum and Cardano could be more so of a proof of stake, potentially have like a compounding effect of its own where, you know, maybe you buy like a small amount now, you keep investing into it, and it just exponentially grows your account value over time. Or you could have a little bit of it. I would have like a mix between that and like Bitcoin and Bitcoin is just more so like, hey, they keep trying to say that, you know, Bitcoin's eventually going to get to like $1 million per coin. Will it? I doubt it. But technically speaking, it is possible. And a while ago, I kind of predicted if it were to get to $100,000 per coin this year, then probably within the next 10 years, it will probably get to a million dollars. So it hasn't gotten to that point yet, but... Again, who knows? Because the thing with cryptocurrency, it just goes up and down like crazy. So unless you're willing to toss money in it that you literally do not care about, then it'd probably be better to just stay away from the stuff completely, right? Because no matter how you look at it, this is kind of like a gamble, right? Or basically buying like a lottery ticket, right? So if you're okay with like, you know, putting $20 here, $10 here, or $100 here, or if you have more, you know, liquid capital available to you that you could just literally burn it might be a viable option to you right but again you know to each their own personal finance is 
personal and you know there's some people who go like 99% in cryptocurrency I think that's kind of foolish but if it works out for them it works out for them by the way it's pretty interesting so again the facility on the shores of Seneca Lake is owned by a private equity firm Atlas Holdings and operated by Green Edge Generation NBC reported Atlas bought the coal-fired plant in 2014 and three years after it had closed the report said and converted it to natural gas the report said the almost 80 year old plant resumed operations in 2017 and generated energy for the grid only at times of high demand according to report but in 2019, Greenwich began to use the plant to power its Bitcoin mining efforts as the price of Bitcoin soared since then, and the potential profit from mining the cryptocurrency surged too, and Greenwich increased the plant's output. So during the 12 months ending February 28, 2021, the company said it mined 1,186 Bitcoins at a cost of approximately $2,869 each. So Bitcoin is extremely volatile, currently trades at around $33,600 per coin. But the soaring demand for energy to power Bitcoin mining operations has locals and environmentalists worried. Screenage for its part says that the state environmental authorities have determined that the plan does not have a significant impact on the environment, according to NBC. Now, the company said last month that its operations would soon be carbon neutral, NBC reported, and is buying carbon credits that offset the plan's emissions. After the local protest last month, the company announced publication of a study by an economic consulting firm that touted its jobs creation in the area and called its facility carbon neutral. The plant employs 31, the NBC said, and the company said last month that it plans to add at least 10 more full-time employees over the next year. But Judith Enick, a former Environmental Protection Agency regional administrator and a senior fellow and visiting faculty member at Bennington College in Vermont, told NBC that Greenwich Carbon's credits is probably not a particularly effective way to reach greenhouse gas reduction goals. And New York had established a goal in law of reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2030. And told NBC the state would not reach that goal if the Greenwich Bitcoin mining operation continues. Documents obtained through an open records request by Earth Justice, a nonprofit environmental advocate, showed that the plant's emissions have skyrocketed since Greenwich started using it to fuel Bitcoin mining operations, NBC reported. And at the end of 2020, the plant's carbon dioxide equivalent emissions totaled 243,103 tons, up from 28,000 tons in January, the report said. The plant generated carbon emissions of just 119,304 tons in 2018 and 39,406 tons in 2019, according to the federal documents obtained by Earth Justice. Critics fear that more previously shuttered plants could also be reopened to support Bitcoin mining efforts. Greenwich announced last week that it will open a new Bitcoin mining operation in Spartanburg, South Carolina at a retired printing plant owned by Atlas. And to be sure, Greenwich's plant on Seneca Lake has its local supporters too. The Dresden Fire Department accepted a $25,000 donation from the company, according to NBC, and the school district took a $20,000 gift. So Gwen Chamberlain, a former local newspaper editor, is on a community advisory board working with Greenwich. The tax base is growing, and that's helping the school, the county, and the town tremendously. Chamberlain told NBC News, their employment has always been good, solid jobs for local workers. Now, another option available to people, right? I think at some point, eventually, they're probably going to make 
a Bitcoin mining operation that is not fueled by natural gas, not fueled by gas, not fueled by coal or, you know, by um, wind or solar because those are pretty inefficient. I think it's going to get to the point where people are going to have Bitcoin mining rigs or farms that are 100% fueled by nuclear power. And if it were to get to something like that, I could honestly see like small nuclear reactors that, you know, maybe the general population could have access to. Like, And I'm talking like really small, like very, very small. And that could technically end up creating almost like their own printing machine for money, right? Now, obviously, that's not really that feasible, probably in a very, very long time. But I could see a point in the future where you could have a massive, massive Bitcoin farm or some sort of cryptocurrency farm that is 100% ran on nuclear power. And if that's the case, it kind of gets rid of this whole like carbon dioxide emissions thing and all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, there would be some like waste from nuclear reactor, all that kind of stuff. But either way, I think that'd be an interesting route to go about. Because if like a country or like a state were to do something like that, maybe, you know, have like a certain area in the middle of like a thousand miles of acres, right? And just have like a small Bitcoin farm and see what happens and then like steadily grow it there and there and there and there, all powered by nuclear power and see what happens. I think that'd be pretty cool to see. But who knows what's going to happen? That might be a bad idea or might be a good idea. Feel free to leave your thoughts. Share this with someone who has an interest in uh, Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining. Because personally, I think that Bitcoin mining is going to keep on growing. And I think there's going to be a lot more factories or companies that are not really producing many products that will end up going down the route of like mining for Bitcoin or something similar.